0: Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of His great love is that He gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And He gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. i like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about God's welcoming heart, and I ended with the fact that even though he welcomes us and he invites us uh, 24-7 somehow I'm not always answering his welcome. I'm not always responding to his invitation. We call that making excuses. We ended that session with that. And go back and listen to that. uh, If you'd like to get an introduction as to why I talk a lot about God's welcoming heart and why my podcast is called welcomeheart.com, and also why I do hospitality. Um, There's lots of good reasons, legitimate reasons to do hospitality. And it's not just so that you know, you keep your house in some sort of semblance of order. I know I, I clean it a little bit more when I know company is coming. The great news about coming to God's invitation that his house is always sparkling and he makes us clean. He gives us the clean clothes to even come into his presence through the blood of Jesus Christ. So today we're just going to <clears throat> go over five reasons why um, or by making excuses or reasons why I don't respond to God's call to intimacy with himself. I mean, this is the biggest thing in the world. The fact that the God of the universe has invited us to know him personally. We take it for granted if we've been raised this way. Like we know Jesus loves loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that's great, but I know I can take it for granted because I've known these facts for so long. But when I introduce that, when I have the privilege of introducing that concept to someone who is not used to relating to God personally, they are so startled and overwhelmed. And I am blessed by their overwhelmation. I don't think that's a word, but I do like to use it. God may speak to you about some hindrance, a hindrance to intimacy with him that is unique to you. And you might ask the Lord, Lord, what is keeping me from being intimate with you? I mean, it could be something that we're totally oblivious to. And we need God to reveal himself to us, even reveal ourselves to ourselves, even if it might be painful. It's always painful when I um, am convicted of sin. I'm convicted of ignoring God. I'm convicted of hurting somebody else. That's hurtful to me. But it really is the place where I get closest to him because I have to crawl up on his lap and say, I'm so sorry. I know you've forgiven me, but I'm so sorry. I blew it this time. And thank you that you have forgiven me. You um, give me such grace. And that's a good encounter. It's hard, but it's a good encounter. So if you will, if you have the courage, I've been reading a lot lately about how faith Uh, takes courage. I've heard that on more than one front. And I thought that's true, especially in this day and age. So pray with me, Lord, what is keeping me from being intimate with you? And then help me to accept your answer and to do something about it. The main thing we do about it, I think, is just to throw ourselves on his mercy. And of course, his mercy is there with buckets, buckets of mercy, ready to pour over our hearts and souls. We all give reasons that keep us from being intimate with God. There are many, and here are five. Pride, number one is pride. Um, Pride and intimacy with God cannot stand side by side. You just can't be proud and be close to God. James 4, 6 says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's quite a contrast. When I asked myself, what is so significant about my testimony? What I really was asking was, what is so special about me? <laughs> There's always this default to, it really is all about me, Lord. And God's quiet answer was, there isn't anything, Sue. What's significant is that I drew you to myself. I sought you. I made you. I saved you. I will guide you. I live in you. I love you. First time I shared with a neighbor who's now become a friend, she was about God. She wanted to know God, but didn't know where to start. And I started with Psalm 139, where God pursued us and knew us from the very beginning. And that has held her in good stead through a very difficult time in her life. And it should hold you and me in good stead as well. He's known us from the very beginning. There's nothing special about me. He pursued me. God extended his invitation to me by allowing me the privilege of being raised in a solid Christian home. It wasn't perfect, but I knew about Jesus early on. I RSVP'd at an early age. If you heard my podcast in early December about I needed Jesus at any age, I started about six, maybe eight In the late '60s, I met some new believers in the Jesus movement. Some of you oldies remember the Jesus movement, who visited our church, and they were delivered out of drugs and an immoral lifestyle. I was kind of scared of them; they were so different from my very protected uh, upbringing. And I'm not, um, I'm not uh, regretful of my upbringing, but at the time, and in my very young teenage perspective, I envied their exciting change of life. They were on fire for God, so much more so than I was. My life was boring. My spiritual life was boring compared to theirs. And my emotional fervor for God was relatively non-existent. I felt I didn't have a great show and tell story. In my pride, I wanted an exciting testimony of a dramatic before and after story. The truth is this. Every one of our lives is a dramatic story of God pursuing and giving us the grace to respond. What I've told my friend recently is that God has gifted you with faith, Jen. He's gifted you with faith, and that is no small thing. He pursued you, and he pursued me in spite of our pride and self-reliance. I found this great verse on pride, Proverbs eleven two. This is it. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Boy, we really want wisdom, don't we? But it takes humility to be wise. When I read that, I thought, I hate being disgraced. It says, when pride comes, Then comes disgrace. I don't like being disgraced. I think that's a pride thing that I don't like being disgraced, but it's also human. We never, none of us like to be disgraced. And I desperately want wisdom. I started asking the Lord to show me every time I was being prideful. It was not, and it continues to not be a pretty sight. But I love being reminded to pray that prayer because I'm always pride. Proud, But even that exercise is drawing me closer to God as I come and admit it and ask forgiveness. Maybe this is the main thing on this podcast. You can stop it right now. It is enough to ask the Lord, Lord, just tickle my brain or something goes off uh, like a beeper in my heart that I am being prideful. It happened to me the other night. You know, I felt bad about someone not coming over to to my house. And I thought, wow, that's a pride thing. I shouldn't take that personally. What I do in my house is a surrender to God. It's for Him. I don't need to be bothered about it. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. And perhaps the greatest disgrace is not living intimately with God after He's done so much to get the invitation out. A young gal I know used to live in close connection with God, but for the last several years has run far away from him in her heart and in her lifestyle. I just heard that uh, she is interested in, quote-unquote, returning to church, but that she felt she needed to clean herself up first before heading back. Now what's wrong with that picture? This is what's wrong. She has the wrong idea about grace, for one thing. It's pride, isn't it? If she cleaned herself up, who gets the credit? Only God cleans up. Only God creates a new heart within us. Only God starts the process and finishes it. It's pride that makes us stay away until we're all cleaned up. We don't have to wait to respond to God's welcome. His cleanup is part of the deal. Number two. A second hindrance to intimacy with God is self or wrong focus, living for myself and not living for him. That's similar to pride, but it's a a stronger focus. Jesus said in John 12, 24, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now that sounds harsh. I don't want to die. It sounds harsh unless you know the gardener. The one who asks you to die to yourself is not only in control, but loves you intimately. And there is no risk, no risk in that kind of dying. Now, when I'm trying to uh, encourage a friend or one of my daughters, they're going through a rough time, it's difficult to say, you know what, if you would just die to yourself, you'd be happier. But it's still true. It's still true because of what Jesus said. It it remains by itself alone unless it falls into the ground and dies. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, how does that work? That living for ourselves is a hindrance to intimacy when God has welcomed us. Practically speaking, and we've all experienced it, the further we get from God, the less intimate we become the easier it is to fake ourselves out so that we gradually come to believe that living for self is really best for ourselves. God needs to do some great intervention to wake us up out of our delusion. The real truth is clouded by temporary gratification of short-term desires. Our oldest brother Hyatt was far from God and living for himself. He had four goals that he reached by the age of 25. It was amazing. He was so incredibly talented. His goals were to have a beautiful wife, a Porsche, you know, he was 25, a sailboat and a Spanish style home lived in Southern California. Now he had a great job. He was art director of Surfer magazine at 25, which provided for those last three things. He could afford a Porsche. He bought a sailboat, a flying Dutchman, as I recall, And they bought a little home, Spanish-style home in Dana Point, California. And God's grace provided for the first goal. He married beautiful Anne, his dear wife of over 50 years or so now. The trouble was, all of these goals had to do with self. And instead of living fully, he was dying gradually on marijuana daily, which was turning his stomach into mush and his mind into paranoia. In spite of his goals being met on earth, his life was a shipwreck. He would tell you that now. And he was honest enough to realize he didn't have it all in spite of having it all. Do you get it? He had it all, but he didn't have it all. He was, he was not only not content, he was emotionally a mess. Finally, God jerked him awake through reading a book on the beach of Mexico. He turned his life. The book was The Late Great Planet Earth. It's a great story. You can go on HyattMore.com, his website, and watch a video of his testimony. It's so great. And he read this book and God used it. He told me later, he goes, it wasn't even that well written, but God uses anything, right? He used a donkey. He used this book to turn Hyatt's life over to the master gardener, you know, the, the gardener who wants our seed to go into the ground and die. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. In fact, I was in college at the time, and my mother wrote me a letter to tell me about it. Back in the day, we had letters, not emails, so it took longer for it, the news to get to me. My sister Linnell was; um, she was living at the ho- at home for, for that time, and she wrote a note on the top of Mom's letter. <laughs> like to know that story. I wonder if she remembers doing that. And the note said, sit down before reading this letter. <laughs> I did. God intervened. Hyatt began at that time to really live. And it came first from dying to himself. Now, I would imagine Hyatt would say he's come a long way since that day. But that daily dying is a journey we all continue in our process of growing closer to God. Self and a wrong fo- focus trips us up in the necessary dying process. In college, I had a plaque on my wall that read, don't wait until you're in desert before you learn to enjoy water. Isaiah 55.1 reads, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy? Wow. That can hit all of us. Listen carefully to me, he goes on, and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Hyatt was spending money on that which did not satisfy, and God helped him figure that out in time to start him on a life fruitful for the kingdom. Do you know someone who is not coming to God's water? You can begin praying that they will admit, be honest like Hyatt was, that they are not satisfied and come to him. That takes humility, maybe especially for someone who depends more on their resources than others. Hyatt was a very talented, is a very talented man. You don't find any pride, prideful people very close to God. Because we are created to know God, until we do, we will have perpetual thirst. Feeling thirsty? Hmm. Check your focus. Are you living for self or living for God alone? Next, a third hindrance to intimacy is relationships. Well, that may sound startling because aren't we supposed to be having good relationships, healthy relationships? Everybody's talking about healthy relationships. Boundaries in our relationships. Yes, but if we're looking for love in all the wrong places or banking on someone else for our deepest contentment, that is a hindrance to intimacy with God. Looking for companionship is not wrong. I'm all about building community. God made us to be close to one another. And a strong marriage is to mirror the intimacy God desires with us. And we need strong community to help us in our walk with God. One reason I knew Mark was the one finally at age 35, it was because he was the initiator. He loved me. He pursued me. And he told me not to worry about him loving me in any more than I needed him to. I just had to make up my mind. God initiates with us too. And we are the responders. I remember long before Mark, I I was enduring a broken relationship. I was in college and a friend said this to comfort me. What you need is a new boyfriend. (laughs) I thought, wow, I hope she's like a prophetess or something. That sounded like a quick fix, and I was hoping she was a prophet from the Lord. But I had just read a verse. God had shown me this verse, Psalms 62, 5. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Wow. I was so convicted, even at age 20. I needed to test that out. I needed to really know that what I really needed and only needed was God. I wanted him to fill my heart totally, to prove to me that he was enough and that he is enough. Often relationships can get in the way of who God is and what he wants to be for us because we keep going to a person to meet our expectations. Praise God that they disappoint us. Why? So... turn to God. As close and as wonderful as family and friendships are supposed to be, they are not meant to fill up all the holes in our souls. People are meant to be loved and enjoyed, but not meant to be our source of fulfillment. When we go into the depths of despair because of an irritating or unloving person, we need to check and see if it's because we are counting on that person to be the answer to all of our happiness People will fail us. If you're over the age of 16, you know that. That's the way life is. We do get hurt and disappointed. It's biblical. It's all over the Psalms. It's really all over scripture. In fact, the Psalms is the best place to go to see how David dealt with people who not only hated him, but wanted him dead. I doubt if many people listening to my voice today have someone who wants them dead. He cries out to God and he praises God for his faithfulness. I really think a path to contentment for me when I'm feeling badly about some situation is to praise God. And through that path of praising, he gives me his contentment. He assures me he does know what's going on and that everything is going to work out okay. A great parenthesis to my day is Psalm 92, 2. It is good to thank the Lord for His loving kindness in the morning and His faithfulness by night. A parenthesis to my day that may have been filled with all sorts of disappointing relationships in the middle. So I thank God for His loving kindness in the morning, that's the first parenthesis. And then for His faithfulness by night, that's the following parenthesis. Depending on people for my hope and for my joy keeps me from intimacy with God. Number four, the next hindrance to intimacy with God is fear. Now, in spite of my immature beginnings with God, he gave me a verse at age 15, 2 Corinthians 5.15. And Christ died for all that they who live, that's us, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. There was no argument. He gave his life. I must do the same. Hmm. Now, I am an emotional person in general, but surprisingly, God drew me through this verse in a very logical and factual manner. He gave everything, it says in that verse. He died for all. How could I do less? That's logic. God continued to invite me to himself in my 20s through his word and by taking me up on my commitment to him. I mentioned this story in that same podcast in December. I remember walking out under the stars in Guatemala one summer and grappling with God over surrendering myself to him totally for missionary service. I had told him already, I'm yours, Lord, whenever and wherever. Do you ever need to say that again? I certainly do and did. But the reality of serving God alone in a foreign country hit hard in the beautiful mountains of Central America. I was a little chicken. I was scared. Not so much to do missions on a foreign field, but to do it single. I even argued with God. That never works, by the way, but I was doing it. Lord, my own father wouldn't want me making this choice, protective as he is. Surely you wouldn't want to go against his desires. Even while I was arguing that faulty line of argumentation, I thought to myself, this is not really uh, very sensible. But I went ahead and I cried and I said those things to him. But the bottom line was fear and the bottom line was trust. Did I trust my Lord to be all that he is to me, no matter what? I was honest with God that night with my fears, my questions, and my dreams. He listened and gently said, will you trust me? I didn't like it, but I couldn't ignore him. The character of God, his very nature is behind that question. If anyone else were asking that of me to trust him with my very life, then we would have some reason for fear. But the God who loves us and knows us best is the one who says to each of us, will you trust me? You were invited to come close to me. Will you trust me? I gave all for you. Trusting God doesn't mean we're never afraid. It just means we go ahead and do and be whatever God is asking while being afraid. Someone said trusting God means do it afraid. And as we do, we become intimate with God. Amazing how that works. The fear lessens until the next big thing, of course. We're human and God knows that. That's what I love about Psalm 103. He knows we're but dust. That's for sure. Some days I'm more dusty than other days. Last and perhaps the greatest hindrance to intimacy with God is complacency, a refusal to recognize that God is a God to be sought after at any cost. Psalm 4142, 1 states: As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after you, O God. Can you relate to that kind of panting after God? I can't enough. I do at times, but I can't enough. I've had to make that verse and song into a prayer. Lord, remove my complacency. Stir up my heart's desire for you. May I live passionately and wholeheartedly for you. Amen. God is ready and willing to answer that prayer for me, but I need to pray it, and so do you. God will not pray it for us. One way I was able to pray it was when I discovered Psalm 73, 25. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful verse. Hopefully you found it already. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And besides thee, I desire nothing on earth. I wrote in the margin of my Bible when I first read that, this is not true of me yet, but I want it to be true. Verse 26 My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. There we go. But as for me, it is good to be near God. People might say to us, you're a good mom, you're a good wife, you're a good friend, employee, neighbor. And these things might be true of us. But the real goodness in our lives is the nearness of God. I want someone to leave my presence and think, hmm, there's something about Sue, and that they wouldn't think about me at all, but only about God and how they too can come near to Him. In fact, all other roles and relationships do not matter when compared to God's nearness. I remember once long ago when a realtor was talking to my mom about some past real estate venture she and my dad had been involved in and how they had taken great pains to deal honestly. The young man said to my mother, you're a good woman, Mrs. Moore. Her automatic response was, only God is good, young man. She was right. And God's very nearness is our good. There are any number of hindrances to intimacy with with the Father. And these five aren't the only ones. And I might be experiencing all five at once or just one, which keeps me from how God created me to be in deep, close, personal relationship with himself. That's why I was born. That's why you were born. Maybe you're just starting your relationship with God, today even. A.W. Tozer wrote, the impulse to pursue God originates with God, but the outworking of that impulse is our following hard after him. And all the time we are pursuing him, we are already in his hand. Let's pray right now and ask him to help us follow him, follow hard after him, even as we are already in his hand. How precious you are, Father, to have us in your hand as we respond to your gracious invitation. Quicken our hearts and minds towards you. May we desire greater and deeper intimacy with you as much as you do with us. May we stop any and all excuses and follow hard after you. Thank you for your beautiful invitation. We accept in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd love to hear what you thought of this podcast. And if God spoke to you in any way, if you could leave a note. The show notes are over in my blog, welcomeheart.com. And leave a comment because it will encourage someone else. Everyone needs to know how we're all doing in our journey with God. He has invited us, if you want to know more about His Welcoming Heart, listen to the podcast two weeks ago, or you can email me, sue at welcomeheart.com. This is part of a series that I, my first uh, retreat series was over 25 years ago. And this was my first one, and I still give it today. God's Welcoming Heart. There's four sessions. If you have a group that needs a retreat speaker, I'd love to be that for you. But the main thing is for us all to relate intimately with God, and may this be a great day where you do that. Thanks so much for listening, and pass this on to someone who might need this encouragement. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.